please remain standing and let me just read this scripture over you. You know it well. If you've got it, you want to grab your Bible, that's fine, or your tablet. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because it's like that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand stand firm therefore please take your seats i want to talk to you a little bit today about putting on the spiritual armor I don't know about you, but I would be really disappointed if I felt like there was a plot afoot behind my back of people kind of scheming against me and talking against me. And, and, and that's horrible, isn't it, that that has happened sometimes to some people? Don't you think that at your workplace, if you've ever found that out, it's a kind of horrible thing that could happen? I'd be shocked if I felt that some people weren't just moaning, but they were actually trying to scheme against me. You know, Eddie Chapman was a pe petty criminal in the Second World War, uh, which eventually led him to, to serving time in jail in Paris. He was arrested there, and when the German occupation came to France, he offered to become an agent for the Germans, and they trained him as a spy so he could spy in England and commit acts of sabotage. But as soon as he landed in England, he parachuted down there and he turned himself in and offered himself to MI5 so he could be a double agent. During the war, he, during that, he managed to photograph German secret agents, some of their plans. In fact, the German army even gave him the Iron Cross as a thanks to his effort and all the while, he was a double agent, and his nickname was Agent Zigzag. We're amazed at such stories. And of course, we love our German brothers, and we've always done that. And we're amazed at, at such stories, aren't we? How could people be like that? But I want to say something to you today. In the Bible, there is someone working against you all the time. There is something that's happening against your life that's a, a push against you and a frustration to you all the time. Now, I don't want to be spooky and I don't want to be medieval and I don't want to be superstitious, but I do want to point out to you that having a biblical view and of a world view makes it true that we have to take a spiritual look at things. Over the last few weeks, we've been encouraging you to get out there, to be belong to your community, to belong to your church, obviously, but belong to your workplace, because that's where real transformation takes place. 
belonging to your church is great, but when you belong to your community and you get out there and you, and you say, I'm going to pastor this workplace and you get out there, here's the thing though. There will be a struggle. There will be a pushback. There will be a fight. And you can't be fully effective and do everything that you've planned to be done without looking at what the Bible calls spiritual armor so that you can live effectively in this world. So today, I'm, I'm going to start and just merge our Belong series together with a, with a few insights over the next few weeks about the spiritual armor. In 1975, the credit card company American Express launched their Amex card with one of the most famous slogans ever in the history of advertising, and it's still used today. And they said this, don't leave home without it. Well, if we could be really talking scripture today, what the Bible would say to us is, you can't leave home without the spiritual armor. Actually, it's a must. You can't leave it out in your wisdom and in the way that you live your Christian life. So over the next few weeks, I want to teach you about taking up spiritual armor. So stay with me. I'm just going to teach three simple truths today about it. And number one, the first one is this. We can be filled with the Lord's strength and therefore we are not to get negative or overpowered or over spooky, even though there is great opposition, we can be filled with great strength. In verse 10 it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Actually, I'm going to bring this out a little bit later, even more so, but the armor is linked to him. And so before we talk about the very real threat, I first of all want to talk about the very great strength that you can receive and the very great power that you can have in God. And it doesn't mean to say you're never not going to feel down or, or face difficulties, but before we talk about anything else, let's understand that the strength of the Lord is there for us. I want you to notice something about this verse. It notice that it's strength in the Lord. The way that it's written in the Greek is really important because it's in the present passive tense. And it has a really important meaning. It's in the passive tense and it means that it's something done to you, for you, not something you have to work up yourself by no matter how loud you shout. And because it's in the present tense, it means it can be a continual empowering. So we don't need to work it up and have some enthusiasm from our personalities, but rather we need to learn to receive. Put your hands out with me just like this. Just join in with me. Just make this a, a kind of interactive sermon. And, and, and really, just as a a kind of receiving symbol, saying, God, I just want to receive from you. I want to be filled with you. I, I want to acknowledge that my strength and my life and my hope comes from you. It's not from me. It's not from my, my intellect or my experience. But God, would you fill me? 
And one of the ways to receive more is to remind yourself of everything that Christ has done for you. Receiving strength from the Lord is to confess, I am an adopted child. I am a forgiven son. I am someone where God has poured out every spiritual blessing upon me. Think about all the things that God has done for you. You draw close to Christ by reminding yourself of what God has done for us. And then you can begin to act and think right because you're saying, well, God, this is about you. So before I talk more about the spiritual armor, could you just begin in your heart right now to kind of almost become active listeners and not passive, that you're saying, I'm going to receive from you, Lord. I want something from you, Lord. I want to stand in your strength and not my own ingenuity. I'm not going to be carried along by anyone else apart from you, Lord. How many of you want to receive today? Just keep your hearts open because he's going to download some revelation into you so that you'll feel strengthened. The second thing that I want to just just teach you a little bit around today is we, we receive strength from the Lord by definitely putting on this armor. Look at verse 11 with me. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, you've had lots of teaching about the armor. It's all really good stuff. But I just want to I want you to try and understand a little bit of a fresh insight with me today. The putting on of the armor is not so much prayer declarations. It is that. And you can pray in the morning, God, I put my helmet of salvation, I'm taking up my shield of faith. And you can do that, and that's healthy, and I'm not saying too much against that. But actually, the armor of God is of God. It's His covering. It's It's covering yourself with the identity of who God is. And when you get into who God is, he's going to download some revelation about thinking. When you think about the helmet of salvation, he's going to give you some wisdom about thinking. He's going to give you some wisdom of how you can act more in faith. It's thinking, behaviors, and beliefs to help you reflect Christ as well as those precious prayer declarations that you have been taught it is. It's more about how you behave and reflect Christ than it is about just what you say. You see, the armor is about how you imitate Christ. Go back with me to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, priests in in Leviticus chapter 8, they would have to wear garments in order to be a priest. You know, uh, and they, they, the, the priest would, would wear a tunic, he would wear a sash, he'd wear a robe, he'd wear a, an ephod, which is kind of an apron, he'd wear a waistband, a breastplate, a turban. The priest was completely covered with all the garments that made him in identity as a priest. It covered him. You know, it would be kind of funny, wouldn't it, if you saw some random guy standing in the middle of the street going, stop, and tried to stop the traffic. And he's just standing there, stop. But if that same guy is wearing a police uniform and he 
stands in the middle of the road and says, stop, you're going to stop. Because he's covered with the identity of the law and what he represents. And that's what the priest did in the Old Testament. He said, I'm not coming in this job as myself. I am covering myself with what, every, what God wants me to be covered in. It's the same with the spiritual armor. You are putting on the characteristics, the thinking, the behaviors, and the identities of Christ and what he is revealing to you about him. Go with me a little bit more. Look back in Isaiah chapter 11, verse, 15, verse 5, because it tells you what God is like. Look, this is what God is like. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness, a sash around his waist. You see, the armor and the clothes describe what God is like. It's much deeper than just prayer declarations. In fact, I'm not saying that teaching is bad. I just think it doesn't go far enough. You can say a shallow prayer, oh, I'm taking up my sword of the Spirit, or... You can ask the Lord to teach you what his word is for you that day. You see, in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17, it says this about uh, God. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. When you take up the armor, it's like you are behaving like God and like Jesus. It's like you are saying, I am making you, Lord, my identity. Now show me how to live that out. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every good word of God is flawless, and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He's the faith shield. And your belief and walk in him. The shield of faith, it's him and his truth and our willingness to live in it. And of course, this is kind of New Testament teaching because in Galatians 3 verse 27, it says, for all of us who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. We have him on us as our identity. Romans 13 verse 14 says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Here, stay with me. The armor of God and the spiritual armor is how you imitate Christ and how Christ teaches you to live out how to be like him in certain areas. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to gain some insight about, well, why does Christ want to live as a breastplate of righteousness? What does that mean for my life? It's a little bit more than just prayer declarations. So when we ask you to go to work, and I think at work you've got three roles, shepherd, friend, and example. And when we ask you, say, go out and belong to your work, be the shepherd there, be the the friend there, be the example there. Who is the great shepherd? Christ. We're asking you to be Christ the shepherd at work. Who's the great friend of sinners? We're asking you to be Christ the friend. And who's the great example in suffering and example in life? Christ. Friend, shepherd, example. It's who you are in Christ. But when you do these things, you're not just being nice. 
and, and a good Christian, you're pushing back darkness by imitating Christ and being like Him. You're not just being a good person at work. You're making sure that darkness doesn't prevail. You need the armor. Because let me just pause and say to you, there is a comprehensive threat against your life. I don't want to overblow this, but can you see, look at verse 13, how the Bible just layers it up. You see, what, what the Scripture is trying to teach you is, you're not just having a bad day sometimes. It's not just sometimes that you've got yourself backwards and you're in a bad mood. That actually the Bible layers up that there is comprehensive opposition against you in the church. Look, it says we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This layering on of different types of opposition is there to teach you this is not something that you can just ignore as a, that's the style of Christianity over in that type of church. When it says there are rulers, the word means that they are personalities who can originate evil plans that have never been thought of before. Originators of evil. Creatively thinking, well that's not been done before, let's do that. That's what the word rulers mean. When it says the word powers, it means authorities that can act. They're not passive, but they can act against you. When it says powers from the dark world, it means that they are motivated by the shadiness of darkness. In other words, we look into light for our inspiration. They look into darkness and say, that inspires me. That's what that means. And when it says there are spiritual forces from heavenly realms, it means that they come at you differently because they're not from this world. You need to make sure that you act as Christ would and think as Christ would have you think because these things are real. And this is why I want to say to you, and this is why this is important, Christianity can't be just one of the things that you do. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, oh, and I go to church. Because these forces want to trick you into a passivity and, and being passive that says, oh, it doesn't matter. But actually, that's their game. Their game is to deceive you so that Christianity becomes, well, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. Oh, by the way, I go to church. And the reason why the Bible layers it up is so that you don't think that you can be passive. Look at me. Look with me, excuse me. And look at me if you want to. Verses 11 through 13 say this. We are told, and it's unusual, isn't it? Because Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Don't miss anything out. And, and again, 
we've often been taught this way, that the armor is like Roman armor. That Paul was probably looking across in his cell and he saw a Roman centurion and he just picked out things from a Roman centurion. And fine, great teaching. And we've had a teaching that says something like this. The Romans didn't have anything on their back so that we must always be advancing. Actually, that's not actually historically true. It's kind of something a preacher made up. But, but actually, I don't want to miss anything out. I want to be completely covered with, by Christ, don't you? I don't want to have the self-pride that says, I don't need anybody watching my back because I'm always going forward. I actually want to be like priestly garments where my whole identity is covered in Christ and who he is. And what Paul is trying to say, by just by that little word, put on the full armor of God, is to say, don't miss anything of what these pieces of armor teach you about God. Not only because you're going to need them, But Christ wants to deposit some precious things in your life. So don't become the person that says, well, I I like the prayer bit and I'm a prayer warrior, but I'm not sure about the gospel shoes where I go to places where Christ shows me. Or I like the righteous bit, but I'm not really a word man. I'm more solid than that. Don't miss anything out. And over the next few weeks... I want you to stay with me because I want to teach you about every piece of how it relates to God and how may God download something new into your life that reflects him and you receive it from him. Put on the full armor of God. Don't make the mistake of picking and choosing because that's our culture. Our culture is that we're consumers. We just love our choice, don't we? You know what? They've discontinued my hair gel from Tesco's. I've got to find a new hair gel. It's causing me lots of stress. I mean, there's not much there. It needs a little bit of nurturing. Will I find the right one? But we love that. We love to have choice, don't we? With the armor, put on the full armor. Don't pick and choose. Don't pick and choose. You can't afford to pick and choose because God is going to download some precious lessons in your life that you will need. So are you up for this? Shield, sword, breastplate, belt, shoes, helmet, everything. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Because it's something about Christ that he's going to show you. In the Old Testament, I mean, the most wicked person in my mind in the Old Testament, Ahab. You remember him? He had his wife called Jezebel. And uh, Ahab, he, he went into battle in disguise. I just wonder if there are some king's kids in disguise this morning. And he kind of, because he was in disguise, his armor wasn't quite right. And somebody randomly shot an arrow and it pierced him in between his armor and that's how he died. You're going to need all the armor. You're going to have to learn something new about Christ. Last lesson today. We're to stand and not give ground. In verse 13 and verse 14, it says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, 
stand. And then verse 14, stand firm there. Then in verse 11, if you went back there, to put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand. What's the reason for the armor? So that you can stand. You see, the Bible repeats itself and layers itself up and and talks about you've got to stand. You've got to come at life in a certain way. Otherwise, we all lose ground. You can't just go with the flow. You go with the flow of the Spirit. But in life, you have to establish something. You have to be determined enough to build something. And if you're not determined enough, then you start moving backwards. The Bible says you've got to draw a line and establish that which needs establishing. Jesus is building a kingdom through you. And when he says stand, he means establish something and don't back off from that. Don't be the sort of person that says, oh, it doesn't matter. In fact, the word stand here actually also means to take the stand. To take the stand in a court and say what your testimony is and say what your evidence is about Jesus. It means to draw a line of what should be. And this is done as you get the revelation about what Jesus is trying to download into your heart about who he is through the armor. You take a stand. So I want to say to you today, have you given up some ground? Have you let something go? Are you here as a mature Christian or a Christian of a few years and you can look back to a time when there was more of a golden era in your Christian life? And you can look back to a time when you had a heyday. Now, don't get me wrong. As you get older as a Christian, you get a bit more wise, don't you? I I used to regularly in praise and worship do this little war dance that I used to do. I don't do that any longer. It's kind of not appropriate now. And in wisdom, I've learned some things that I don't do any longer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking a little bit about In your heart, your fervor, your enthusiasm, your resolve, your commitment to say, this is who I am. I am who I am. I am a Christian. I can't be anything else. You see, some of you might have been here today and you might be thinking, this is a bit weird. You know, we're in a scientific world and he's talking about authorities and rulers and dark things behind the world, surely these people aren't very intelligent. But let me ask you, when you look around our cities today, when you look around the Middle East today, when you look around some of the things that are going on in Africa, when you look around the fact that the Philippines, where we have our school, is one of the most trafficking places in the world, when you look at the way children are dealt with, when you look at what's happening in our world, do you really think there's nothing behind that? There's no dark inspiration behind that. Is that merely found in the human heart, as wicked as the human heart could be? Isn't there some inspiration that you could see that there is something going on? And maybe you have been 
a compliant co-conspirator in innocence maybe, but please don't be ignorant. There is more to this world than there is. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you will. And as you stand, I wonder if you could just say to yourself, I am a Christian and I'm not going back from that. I wonder if you could just physically stand, but in your spirit stand. You see, I want to ask you, have you given up ground? Have you given up people? Are there people in your family and in your life who were, they used to be Christians, but they're not Christians any longer? It's not your fault. But have you come to the place in your prayer life where you just don't pray for them anymore? Have you given up? Are you prepared to let that ground go to the enemy? That person. Are you in a situation today that hasn't changed for a long time and you're just thinking, well, I just need to accept it? Well, what about taking your stand and saying, God, if I have to pray for my non-Christian son from the today until I die, I am still doing it because I'm making my stand. I am saying, I don't accept that they will not be a Christian. I'm taking my stand. And I'm saying as Christians, I'm not saying we take our stand in a bombastic or an unintelligent way. And if people ask us questions at work, that we blitz them with a machine gun approach. I don't think you should be aggressive and unkind. And I think you should take your stand in a manner that says, yes, I'm prepared to listen to your questions gently. But at the end of the day, when everybody's asked everything, I am what I am and I'm not backing off. I am a Christian. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. I'm taking my stand. And in our work life and in our family life, have you allowed some things into your home and into your work which you would have never done years ago? And it's not just about maturity and wisdom. It's about now that you've decided to have a little bit of compromise. I want to tell you, draw a line today. Make a stand and say, I am who I am. I'm standing and I'm not being pushed back. In fact... Spiritual warfare is a, is, a, is a game or an exercise of push and shove. In the Old Testament, when, when people would arrange their battle lines together, one army, and it's not like the charge of the light brigade on, like on the movies, one army would walk to another army, the other army would walk to them, and they would stand their ground and then push against either and be pushed back and push. And it would be the army that stood and pushed and pushed until the army broke open and that army could run in and plunder all that they had. That's how spiritual warfare works. 
For many, many months, you think, I'm not making any progress, but I'm not going back. So I stand, and I'm being pushed against and pushed against, and I'm pushing back. I'm being kind. I'm being loving. I'm reading the Word. I'm speaking when I have to. I'm praying like I should do. I'm pushing back, and I'm pushing and pushing, and all of a sudden, something breaks open, and you take loads of ground from the enemy and you plunder his kingdom, and you win people to Jesus, and you yourself grow, and God has the glory. That's what taking a stand is. So I want to ask you today, are you prepared for your teenage son to be not on fire? Or are you going to take a stand and pray for him until he's on fire? Are you going to take a stand as a parent and say, I'm praying for my school that my kids go to, that there'll be hundreds of Christians in that school? Or are you just going to say, well, that's just the way life is. You see, taking a stand is not doing nothing. It's saying, stop pushing me back. Stop molding me into the mold of the world. I am conformed to Christ. So I want to ask you just two things today. Have you got people in your life who are prodigals, who've left the faith, and and you pray for them now and again, but you're just saying, God, I'm taking a stand and I would like to reclaim them back. And it may not happen today. I pray that it will. Because you can pray on a Tuesday and you can have your dream job by the next week. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. You can do that. But it may not happen today, but are you prepared to draw a line and say, I am not accepting this. I am asking you, God, bring them back. And the second thing I want to ask you is, Are you in a situation that just needs to change? In a workplace or a family where you say, you know what, this is going on. And actually you're tempted to just accept it and say that's what it is. Today, I want you to take a stand and say, no. No, I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting that. Now, it may not change tomorrow. But you see, taking a stand says, I'm stopping it now in the spirit. I'm drawing a line. I'm establishing a standard. You know, there's a phrase in this country, the cat's got your tongue. And it means you're a quiet person. Can I be a little bit controversial? The cat hasn't got some of the Christian's tongues. I want to say the devil's got some of your tongues. The devil has duped you and tricked you into thinking, oh, just be quiet and don't cause any trouble. You need to stand and speak up. And speak up for God. In a loving way, in an intelligent way, in a kind way, in a gentle way. But stand and speak up for Him. Come on, let's give Him praise because He's worth standing for. I love you, Jesus. And I want to stand for you. I want this church to stand for you, Lord. 
I want this church to be something that is a beacon in this city where people know they can be loved, cared for and honoured here and welcomed and valued. Lord, help us to drive a stake in the ground and help us to stand in Jesus' name. Who's with me, amen? That's what we want for our church. If you have someone who you want to reclaim back, just leave this seat where you're standing right now. And it's not that they'll miraculously get saved in the next two minutes. Maybe they will. But you're saying, I'm making a stand for them. Just leave the seat where you're standing. There's one. Who's anybody else? And if you're in a situation where you think, this isn't changing. I need this to change, Lord. Would you leave the seat where you're standing and make a stand about that work situation, that family situation? And we are claiming these people. We are saying, I'm going to keep this in prayer till the day I die. I'm saying, I'm standing. Now, I'm not just talking hype today. I've tried to teach the Bible. I've looked into the Greek. Please take a step forward so people can get in behind you. I'm trying to teach you. You see... As we sing now, we're going to sing. And then we're going to proclaim in the mighty name of Jesus over your person, over your situation. And we're just going to take a stand. But you've got to take this commitment out there with you and say, I'm standing. Amen? Come on, let's sing to the Lord. And just while you're here, worship Him. And then we'll proclaim over you.